welcome, 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 welcome to Real Talk with KR. One voice for the independent, just one, and a place for the independent-minded. Today we're going to talk about China and its influence in the United States and around the world. The first thing you have to know about China is who they are, how they view you, because when you sit across a table from someone to make any kind of deal, first of all, you want to know if they are going to fulfill the deal, if they're capable of it, you know. And that's what we're going to find out today. We're going to try to figure out who China is. See, China is a one-state party state. That means that any law that the government brings down, the citizens have to follow. And if they protest, they end up in prison. It's simple as that. And how that happens is that there, there could be a lot of violations of human rights that could take place in situations like that. As opposed to our system of checks and balances. If the government comes down with something outrageous, you know, the citizens have a right to protest and usually push back on the government. Not so in China. Fine example is this, the Muslim community. Now, most Muslims are peace-loving people that just want to go to their mosque and pray, raise their family, and live in peace and harmony with everybody else. That's the vast majority of Muslims. There's a small, there's a minority that uh, believe in creating havoc around the world. How we deal with it is we try to target that minority. How China deal with it is to take about a million Muslims and put them in internment camps. Now, let me say from this, the thing, I, I mean, I don't know anybody who could be for that, okay? We had that history uh, in the war when we put Japanese in internment camps. It was wrong. We realized it was wrong. It wasn't only a lesson for us but it was a lesson for the rest of the world. We would never do it again, and I don't think you'd be seeing that in most countries that we support. However, in China, with their one-party system, they just wronged up a million Muslims. That's how they take care of their terrorist threat. Now, how are they going to let them out? I am just making an assumption here, but I think though the adults, the fathers and mothers, are probably going to be in those internment camps for life. And the only way out of it that I could see is that if China indoctrinate the kids, the Muslim kids, into Chinese culture and away from their Muslim heritage, and then let them out in that way. Because that's the only way I can see that happening. But that's what they do. They have a million Muslims in internment camps in their country. A second example is the one-child policy. China decided that their, their country is getting overpopulated, so they tried the one-child policy. They decided that married couples could only have one child. So if a married couple have one child and the wife gets pregnant again, she's asked to have an abortion. Now, if she refuses, there's a lot of pressure that's put on that family, uh, uh, probably the relatives also, by the government. 
to have that abortion. So in a sense, that pressure comes like a forced abortion. So that's what they do in China uh, for a certain segment of the society. So that's how China deals with its citizens. How China deals with international laws and policies is totally different than how most of us deal with it. Most of us try to abide by the laws. China would abide by the laws only if it favors them, basically. Promises and stuff. They have broken many promises, broken many laws. A fine example in international law is China decided on its own to build uh, artificial islands in international waters off the China coast, off the Vietnamese coast, of, you know. And they want to stake claim of those waters. So the United States and other countries are protesting this, and the United States usually run military vessels through that area, but China protesting it in international waters. They want to dominate that area. So how are they doing it? First of all, let me say, and I forgot to tell you at the beginning, China has uh, um, want to dominate the economic world. They want to be the, num the number one economic superpower by the year 2050. This is why they're doing all this. And so this is hurting Vietnam and the Philippines because one of their main resource is the fishery. And places where Vietnamese fishermen and Filipino fishermen have fished for decades and decades, China now runs their vessels through there, detain the fishermen and confiscate their fish. So much so that Vietnamese and Filipinos don't want to go back in that area because the more time passed, the more pressure China, China put on them. They're scared that for their lives, not only their livelihood, for their lives. So they decide that they're, they're not going to fish in the waters anymore, some of them. So that's how China is trying to dominate that area. They're also trying to dominate because they want to be the number one economic superpower. They're taking locations in strategic places. You know, and they are bringing a whole bunch of money to countries that, impoverished countries, countries that need it, and loaning them money. And then when these countries can't pay back the loan, then they put their grip into the land. And they're going to be there for a very, very long time. Forever is not a word we shouldn't use. And I'll tell you how they do it. You know, they, like I said, they are in Africa, they are in the Caribbean, Asia, they're everywhere. They have a $10 billion project with Tanzania. And the Tanzanian president said this about China and the project. This is the Tanzanian president. They want to give us a guarantee of 33 years and a lease of 99 years. 99 years is something China does do all the time with other countries, this 99-year lease. 
See, because in 99 years, the people who, uh, who would be leading the country then probably not even born yet. So they will grow up with a heavy China influence in those small countries, which would just give China another, another lease or just buy it outright, you know? And so that's what they do in these countries. They loan them a lot of money. I'll come back to that. So 99 years. And, and we, Tanzania, should not question whoever comes to invest Whoever comes to invest there wants the port is operational. So China is leasing the property and Tanzania would have no say in whoever comes in that property. Whoever, it doesn't matter if it's somebody Tanzania have a war with or anything, spies, doesn't matter. They have no control at all. They want to take the land. This is the Tanzanian president talking about China. They want to take the land as their own. This is, I want people to understand this. This 99-year lease, it says rent, but it means it actually means ownership. They want to take their land as their own, but they want to compensate, they want, they want us to compensate them for drilling constructions of the port. So they're taking the land, but they're saying, we're going to drill in there, in the port, but we want you to pay us for drilling the port. I mean, come on. You know? Here's another fine example. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is in the southern part of India. It's an island off the south coast of India. To the west of Sri Lanka is the Arabian Sea, you know, going up into Iran and Oman and all those places. To the east is the Bay of Bengal, you know, which gives them a path into the South China Sea. And to the south is the Indian Ocean. So they, they, want, they wanted to get their grips in Sri Lanka so they could control the commerce and military waterways in that area. So how did they do it? Well, I don't know for sure, but I believe that Sri Lanka might have been in a little bit economic street. And I don't know if the former president or prime minister was corrupt. But he asked for loans all over. He asked India for loans. They say no because they couldn't see what the loans was for and if it was be able to pay it back or et cetera, et cetera. So he asked China. And China said, sure. Then he asked China for another loan. China said, sure. Every time he asked China for a loan, China said, sure. Now, I don't know if the guy was corrupt. But if he was corrupt, he could have been taking some of these loans for himself. Hey, can you give me some? Sure. You know, put it in his pocket. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say anything bad about him because I don't know. But anyhow, he was borrowing, borrowing, borrowing. When the new government came into power in Sri Lanka, they found out they couldn't pay the debt. So they went to China and said, well, we can't pay the debt. China said, okay, no problem. Give me a port. And 15,000 acres surrounding the port. 
you know, as a, I guess, a partial payment for all the money we loan you, give me the port. So Sri Lanka said, okay, you can have the port. They had no other choice, right? So now China got their grip in Sri Lanka. 99-year lease. Don't forget that. Same thing. And now, Sri Lanka said, well, you know, we have one uh, thing that we want you to abide by. And China say, what is that? And Sri Lanka said to China, we don't want any military vessels in the port. You remember what China said to Tanzania? You have no power as to whoever comes in that, that port. But Sri Lanka is telling them, China say, okay, no military vessels. What I say to Sri Lanka is, good luck with that. Because China is going to break that promise, guaranteed. That's their Belt and Road Initiative. They are building rails over land to countries that they can reach that way. And they're going to strategic places. Uh, one of the places that they are in right now is Trinidad and Tobago. It's strategic between South America, the Northern Caribbean Islands, and North America. So it's strategically placed. You know, and so that's what they're doing. But what I did not know about China and the United States is the tariffs. I did not know what the tariffs were between China and the United States. I was shocked, quite honestly, when I heard it. And you know, my Democratic friends are going to get upset with me because this country is so divisive. But I have to say, I did not know it until President Trump said something about it. So I wanted to know more about this, this tariff thing. And you know, I like to break things down to the simplest form. And sometimes even make up a little scenario so I can understand it better. And I figure if I could understand it better, then I trust that all my listeners will understand it also. So I decided to break it down into a little scenario. I said to myself, if I have a garden and I'm growing tomatoes in the garden and I'm really good at it, I have the best tomatoes in the county and I have them out in a stall next to my garden at the side of the road and I'm selling my tomatoes. Not making a whole lot of money, but enough to get by with the family. I have a lot of people coming for my tomatoes, passing grocery stores to come for my tomatoes. One day somebody came up to me and said, uh, I see you have a lot of traffic here. I was wondering, I saw you have a little space and part of your stall too. I'm wondering if I can, 30 miles down the road, I'm growing corn. I wonder if I can bring some of my corn up and sell in your stall. It wouldn't give you any competition because I'm selling corn and you're selling tomatoes. He introduced himself, let's say, as China. I said, all right, no problem. So he brought his corn up and he said, oh, by the way, how much you want for me uh, selling my corn here. I said, well, I wasn't really thinking about it, but give me 2%. 2% of everything you sell is fine with me. So he said, oh, that's a great deal. He said, okay, good. So I ran, tell my wife and 
Hey, look, big businessman making money, you know. I got this guy giving me 2%. I had the empty stall. I used it up. And now I'm getting 2% of everything he sell. But everybody's happy, you know. So I'm, I'm feeling good. Everybody tapping me in my shoulder and stuff. I'm feeling good. So then I got another idea. I went down by his stall and I said, well, listen, since you're selling corn down here, why don't I, I have an abundance of tomatoes and some of them might rot. So why don't I bring those tomatoes down and sell it in your store? So he said, yeah, I didn't know why we didn't think about it. So I came on down with my tomatoes and just by chance, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to tell me 2% too. Just by chance, I said, well, how much you want for me selling my tomatoes at your store? He looked at me and said, give me 25%. I said, but wait, 25%? I said, but I'm just doing 2% up here. I can't take that deal. He said, take it or leave it. So now I'm in a bind because, you see, my family is happy. I'm getting that 2%. The tomatoes that I have, they might rot anyway. So... Although I'm giving 25%, I'm still making a little money, right? So I don't want to upset my family by protesting it because then they'd be all down and stuff. So I said, okay, deal. So now he's getting 25% and I'm getting 2%. Then I found out through the grapevine that he was in my yard trying to figure out how I sell, how I grow my tomatoes, trying to steal my intellectual properties. What I found out was he wanted to find that out so he can go and grow tomatoes on his land and then give my tomatoes competition in his store and might be bold enough to then bring his tomatoes up to my store and give my tomatoes competition. This is what China did. They came over here, stole our intellectual properties, took it back to China, built the product, bring it back to the United States, and sell it to our citizens. That's how they made their money. And plus the 25% tariff, that's why China is rich today. China is rich today off our backs. But it wasn't only China. But anyhow, before I go into that, let me say something. No. It was also our friends, because of President Trump, and I have to give him credit, I give Jack his jacket. I speak on what I see, and I give Jack his jacket. I would not have known about this tariff with Japan and Korea and Canada and China if President Trump did not bring it up. I'm telling you, I'm an independent. I speak on what I see. Our friends, Korea, Japan, and Canada also had tariffs. I guess they were friends with benefits, if you know what I mean. But then we made a deal with Korea. And Korea succumbed to that deal. We made a deal with Japan. Now we got the Mexico... United States, China, USMCA deal going on with them, which I am told I am not smart enough to understand. If it is fair, I have to go by what I'm told. I told, I'm told that it is a fair deal. Okay. 
but something happened. China, like I said, do not, do not abide by rules and regulations. So they wanted to stay with the intellectual properties thing that they were doing, stealing from us, and the 25% tariff. Now, China knew, knows our society. They knew all they have to do is target a segment of our society, and you will see placards in the street, you know, people blocking the highways, Congress, and going into congressman office, congressmen coming up to the hill, senators coming up the hill, raising hell about how their constitu constituents is, 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 is feeling the pain. And then nobody want to ruffle the waters. So everybody sit back and everything dies down. And China stay with its 25% tariff and a stealing of the intellectual properties. This is what congressmen, senators, and former presidents feared. That if they ruffle the waters, it might harm their election. So they did not want to take that chance. But President Trump did. He took that chance. He could, have, he could not have known that the farmers was going to stand up. Because that's not our history. Our history is protest, not sacrifice. And I tell you, it blew my mind when the farmers stood up and said, we're going to bite the bullet. Because we know that if we stand strong, we might get a better deal. It might hurt us, but it will be better for our kids. And let me say, the farmers stood up, not just for the farmers. That might be the, the situation. But because they stood up, it's affecting the whole country. So in a sense, the farmers stood up for the whole country. Because they were targeted. Nobody else. They were targeted. They were on the front line. They felt the pain. Some of them went bankrupt. So if I could speak for the whole country, I would say, thank you, farmers. This is something we should have done a very, very long time ago. And we were scared. We were scared because we might lose our election. We were scared because we wouldn't get the donors needed to run an election. So we stayed quiet. But the farmers didn't. The farmers sacrificed. And I say to the farmers, each and every one of you, wrap yourself in the American flag because you deserve it. You protected us. You are giving us a better deal. And I know you got $16 million from the government to help you out. But I also know that some of you went bankrupt because of this. So I just want to say a big thank you for what you did. Another thing that blew my mind is Chuck Schumer, the minority leader in the Senate. That is a leader. He stood up in this most divisive 
country. And I know he's divisive. I know you have said things that he, he doesn't even mean, but they all do. But in this case, he stood up and said, thank you, Mr. President, I'm paraphrasing. Thank you, Mr. President, for fighting against China. This is something you don't see in Washington. In Washington, and I'm giving you three, three things, in this, but the same legislation. We're talking about the same legislation. If a Republican comes up with that legislation by himself, Democrats are not going to support it. If Democrats come up with that same legislation, Republicans are not going to support it. But if they sit down in a coffee shop and a Democrat and a Republican comes up with a the legislation, then they're going to support it. This is how divisive this country is. They just need a dose of Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. You know? They just need a, di a, a, a dose of that bipartisanship. Because this country is going, I mean, come on. Seriously? So I want to say thank you to the farmers. I want to say thank you for, to Chuck Schumer for standing up with the president in the fight against China. And it would be good for China. It's not that it's going to be bad for China. They just don't know how to get out of it. It would be good for the United States, just as, though, as it was good for Mexico and Canada and the United States. It's going to go, it's be good for China and the United States. But China just don't want to let go because they were getting free stuff. They come in here, steal the stuff, go over there, make it, bring it back, sell it to us. They're making easy money. They don't want to give up on that. But they're going to have to come back, come down, and be here. So thank you, Chuck Schumer. Thank you, farmers, for doing what you do. I also want to give you an update about what's going on in the government right now with the impeachment hearing. First of all, I don't want anybody to be fooled about this whole thing, okay? This whole what's going on between Biden and Ukraine and impeachment and all that stuff. Don't be fooled because the Democrats did not even think for a second that the president was going to be removed in the Senate, okay? And now Grassley and Graham is starting an investigation on Biden. This is all about staining. It's not about right or wrong, guilt or innocence. The Democrats came up with this impeachment thing knowing full well the president wasn't going to be removed. But in the, uh, when he runs in the election, whoever is running against him would say, but Mr. President, you were impeached. And now we can see the commercials running against him. And, and also, this investigation that Grassley and Graham is uh, bringing up against, against the Bidens, they're going to start an investigation. So I guess Donald Trump would say, if, if he is the, the, uh, the candidate for the Democrats, Donald Trump would say, you're being investigated. It's all about staining. It's about, all about staining your opponent for the next election. Don't be fooled about the seriousness of all this stuff, you know? So I just want to tell everybody that 
it's been good. My second episode. Um, thank you very much for listening. I hope and I pray that you all have great days. And with that, I will say good day. <laughs>